Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at Mark 7, pray that you'll encourage us. Uh, we do thank you for the, uh, the wonderful blessing of being able to continue to uh, gather around your word, uh, to come to you and to hear from you and to encourage each other. And uh, we ask that now uh, you'll help me to speak the truth, that you'll help us all to hear you speak to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, I've, I've got you all on mute. Uh, which is kind of to limit the amount of um, amens that you can say during the sermon. Uh, or actually, you can say amen, and I'll see you say it, but uh, we won't. We won't all hear it. Um, I, I think that it's actually an opportunity for the church at the moment. Um, I think that uh, when you look at what's happened in the church that's been kind of forced underground, uh, notably, say Ethiopia, when the communists took over and stopped people going to church. I had some missionary friends that were kicked out of Ethiopia and they've been in contact with people that had persevered in the underground church during that time. And God did extraordinary things. The stories have just been amazing, including people memorizing um, whole books of the Bible because they couldn't carry a Bible. And so when they'd go to a Bible study, they'd have it in their head. They, they wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be able to take a Bible on the bus or down the street with them. And, of course, there's wonderful stories coming out of China as well. But this is a little bit different, isn't it? Because this isn't us hiding from anybody. Um, this is us finding new ways to do church. And one of the things that uh, after one or two weeks of quite a few churches doing this, we're, we're hearing stories of people who are checking out church for the first time because they can do it from the safety of their own lounge room. And uh, I, I heard one story of someone who said that they had vowed that they would never walk into a church building again. Uh, and they haven't had to. They've been able to open up their computer, go to church, and they sent a message through to that church saying that they were going to come again next week. And so God is able to um, use this new technology, use the circumstances of lockdown and quarantine I think I'm looking forward to, uh, to hearing great stories in the months and years to come of what God's done in this time. There are challenges for us, but I think one really important challenge for us is to be clear on what we think being Christian and being in church is all about. Uh, because it's, it's been the case, I guess, for decades that you can just kind of roll along, just go through the motions with church uh, people have assumptions as to what a Christian is and what a Christian isn't. And everybody in Australia, I think, would uh, would believe that they know what a Christian is. But sadly, I think that there are many false uh, opinions about what it is to be Christian. And we've got the opportunity, I think, with people listening in, just to be crystal clear about that. And uh, so as we look at, at Mark chapter 7, I think Jesus addresses one of the popular misconceptions about what being a Christian is. And, uh, and that is he, he tackles the idea that being a Christian has got to do with keeping certain religious rules. And I guarantee that if we were to wander down the street and interview people, there'd be a whole stack who would just say uh, that, you know, I've got to do this or do that, or I, I've got to keep the Ten Commandments, or I've got to go to church, or there's, there's something that I have to do in order to be right with God. But uh, Jesus makes it clear that it, it's actually a heart issue, not an external issue. So uh, let's have a look at um, 
at March 7, or at least the first half. Just a little bit of background, first of all. Uh, this is a chapter that talks about uh, foods, it talks about washings and so on. And we've got to realise that the Old Testament actually put in place a whole heap of laws. And these laws came from God. Uh, they were laws particularly for the people of Israel. They, they weren't laws for all time. They weren't laws for all people. They were laws for the people that God had rescued from slavery in Egypt and brought to be his own chosen people. And uh, one set of laws had to do with how you could be right with God, how you could come into God's presence. And so the priests had to go through a system where they would wash, there would be a ritual washing, and there would be cleansing associated with sacrifice before they could go in and intercede uh, on behalf of the people. So there is a background of, of the importance of washing in the law of God in the Old Testament. But what had happened over centuries is that the religious leaders in Israel, the, uh, the elders and in the times of Jesus, people like the Pharisees and so on, had added to the law of God a whole compendium of other rules other laws, other rituals that needed to be done. And um, I, I've got a friend who actually has studied this and, and I've forgotten, he, he told me the numbers of actual rules and regulations there are, where, where I think it's up around a thousand that the people had to keep. I think what we discover is that over time, the difference between the laws of God and the laws of man get blurred. Um, they are given equal authority by people. And it's this that Jesus is tackling when he talks to them. And there's a whole system of, of rule keeping that tends to shape the, the people of God at the time of Jesus. Now, that's, that's by way of background. Um, so we've got this story where the, the Pharisees and some teachers of the law, they notice that Jesus' disciples aren't keeping all the rules as they should. They're not uh, washing their hands the way that they should be washing their hands. Now, um, it, th there couldn't be a more topical time, could there, to read that passage. <laughs> and uh, we, we need to be good Bible readers. Um, and a good Bible reader doesn't jump from an idea uh, to another idea and say that they are connected. They are not connected. Um, it's good to wash our hands now. I've never washed my hands more in one day uh, than I am now. Um, but the washing of hands here, it's not a command from God. It's tradition of the elders. And um, God actually says uh, to the people um, in his word that there's a great danger uh, in adding to the commands that he has given. And so there's a quote. Jesus replies from Isaiah in verse 6. Uh, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it's written, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain and their teachings are merely human rules. Now, God said back in Isaiah that people were doing that. Jesus says they're still doing it now. Um, this command that you've got to wash your hands and, and wash certain things at certain times before the eating of food and so forth, Look, it might be good hygiene, but it's got nothing to do with being right spiritually with God. Um, it's not proper worship. Uh, in fact, in verse 6, you get Jesus quoting Isaiah saying, they worship me in vain. Um, now, I reckon uh, a lot of people probably think worship equals good, lack of worship equals bad. 
but there can be a worship that is bad. And, um, and a worship that's bad pretty much is to worship anything that is not God. And uh, in the book of Romans, chapter 1, it, it talks about people giving up the worship of the creator and worshipping the creation. Well, here, people are giving up the, uh, the worship of God by following his word and replacing it with human rules, and that makes their worship bad. It's, uh, it's vain worship. It doesn't count. It's in, in vain, meaningless. Um, and in so doing, verse 8, look at this, this verdict. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. They've let go of the commands of God. They're actually uh, not following the way of God. They're, they're, they're not worshipping God as they think that they are. They're, they're keeping all of these religious practices, but God's verdict is that's not worship. That's not what I've asked you to do. Um, it might be what you want to do. It might be what the elders teach you to do. It might be what the religious system uh, has you do, but that's not what I'm looking for, God says. It's not worship. Um, it's just a human tradition. And uh, Jesus goes on to say that they can actually use the, the human traditions that have been added to the word of God to prevent them from keeping the word of God. And so you've got this uh, example uh, that he goes on to say about the word of God says you've got to honour your father and your mother. Um, and uh, anyone who curses their father and mother should be put to death. So there's the word of God. But they had a human tradition that says something like, um, say I've got $100, I can set that aside as devoted to God. And then if you get a call from mum and dad and they say, look, I'm just absolutely uh, unable to pay for food this week. Have you got $100 that you could spare? And you've conveniently got this religious rule. You might say, for example, no, I can't touch that because that's devoted to God. That's your rule, not God's rule. And so they're using a human rule to stop them honouring their father and mother, stop them following the word of God. Now, that I think is something that, uh, that, that people still do today. Um, people still add in their own boundaries, their own protective measures, their own strategies for avoiding God's word. Now, it's, it's not a particularly flattering picture, uh, but it's a, such a common description of religion, I think, as we see it. People whose uh, religious activity is pretty much lip service. Look at, at verse 6 again. Quote from Isaiah, These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I mean, how many of our churches, how many of people who would call themselves Christian are really simply doing something which is convenient? They're going through the motions. They, they might turn up to church on a Sunday, but it makes no difference on Monday to Saturday. Or people who think that, well, if I say a few Hail Marys or if I, if I can recite the Lord's Prayer from time to time, then I'll be okay. But what God wants is a transformed heart. And so he goes on to talk about the difference between what's going on on the outside and what's going on on the inside. And, uh, and he talks here about uh, that in relation to food and what you put inside yourself. So picking it up at verse 18. He says, are you so dull? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods to be clean. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it's from within, out of a person's heart, 
that evil thoughts come, such as sexual immorality and theft and murder and adultery and greed and malice and deceit and lewdness and envy and slander and arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Now, in, uh, in that first century context, uh, of course, with their rules about what you could eat and what you couldn't eat, uh, that had a particular focus to it so that people might think, okay, if I eat a particular type of food, if I was to have an oyster, for example, which the, the law of God said you couldn't have, um, then that would make you sinful if you ate an oyster. Um, but Jesus is saying it's not what you stick in your body that, that makes you sinful. In fact, in saying this, uh, Mark records, Jesus is actually saying all food's clean. All food's been made by God and to be received with thanksgiving. Yes, there was a, a law for the people of God for a time. But what God's really on about is not what foods you eat, not how you wash your hands, not what rituals you do on a Sunday or on the Sabbath. It's not about um, your posture as to whether you pray standing up or sitting down. It's, it's not about whether you go to this kind of church or another kind of church. It's what's going on on the inside. It's what's happening in our hearts. And our hearts are what produces our words and our thoughts and our behaviours on the outside. So um, when, when the law of God says, uh, do not commit murder, I might be thinking, okay, I've never killed anybody. But deep inside, I'm thinking I've been angry enough to kill somebody. And so it's, it's what's on the inside bubbling out that matters. Okay, so Jesus um, has been contrasting uh, a, a picture of, of relationship with God that is internal. It's uh, heartfelt. It's, it's inner transformation. Um, it's not external. It, it's not putting on a show. It's not saying the right things. It, it's not performing the right rituals and, and engaged in the right law keeping and rule keeping and regulations and so forth. It's actually about genuine heart change. And I think that it's a great opportunity for us uh, to be uh, sharing with people around us that, that it doesn't matter that we can't go to a church building. Um, it, it doesn't matter that there might be restrictions on us uh, in different ways in terms of how many can gather under what circumstances and so on. Because true Christianity, true relationship with God is something that begins in the heart and transforms the way that we relate to each other. I think uh, we've got an opportunity to challenge people's ideas that it's what you do for God that makes you right with God. And to say, no, it's actually about God transforming our hearts to make us right with him. That's what truly matters. Uh, we've got an opportunity uh, to show people and talk to people about our relationship with him and, and how that makes a difference in our lives uh, and to hopefully make people much more aware that being Christian is not about uh, the rules that you keep or the religious practices that you have, but it's about a genuine change in the heart that's only made possible by God. So my prayer, and um, I'm going to lead in prayer in a second, uh, is that this will be a time when people discover the truth about Christianity because they're looking in, they're having a sneaky look, uh, maybe. They're, they're just watching the way that we live and the things that we do or maybe even logging in uh, to some live stream or seeing church online. Um, so let's pray that Christians actually 
um, portray the truth of the gospel and that that's really clear so that people looking in get to hear the right message. Um, and let's pray that God uses this time to transform us as a church, but also reaching out to those that don't know him. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that uh, you are in the business of changing lives, changing hearts. We pray that uh, you'll do that in this time of quarantine, of lockdown. Um, please, may there be many people who inquire as to uh, who you are and how we can be right with you and, and what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And we pray that we'll be really faithful and, and clear ambassadors uh, for Jesus at this time. Please, may, may people come to understand it's not about what we do for you that really matters. It's about what you've done for us through Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.